Aloha and welcome to Elevating Motherhood. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Lori Beth Aldridge. I've taken my passion for conversation, perspective, and supporting moms and turned it into a podcast. My goal is to talk openly about motherhood, offer new ideas, and help moms find their confidence in this busy and sometimes overwhelming world we live in. We're going to dive deep, open up, and elevate motherhood. Thanks for being here with me. Let's get started. Thanks to Primally Pure for supporting today's episode. Primally Pure is one of my favorite companies. They excel at creating safe, natural skincare products made with quality ingredients. Primally Pure has become my go-to brand for clean, non-toxic face cleansers, creams, and serums. They're also the makers of my favorite all-natural and effective deodorant. I love their blue tansy scent. My husband, Chris, is a big fan of their tea tree deodorant. They also have a lot of other scents to choose from and even an unscented one that's effective as well. Primally Pure has generously offered a discount code for listeners. Be sure to use the code LORIBETH10, L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H-1-0, for 10% off your first order. For my personal review of their products, a list of my favorites, and more information, head over to elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash primallypure. That's elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash primallypure. I'm also excited to announce that Elevating Motherhood is coming to life over on Patreon. I'll be over there more than I will be on social media and other platforms to have deep dive discussions with you about today's topic and every other topic discussed here on the show. I'll also be hosting virtual classes once a month for moms with a lot of fun topics from sourdough and houseplants to sex therapy and thought thyroid health, and just anything you want to learn about. You want to have a book club? Let's do it over on Patreon. I love that space over there because it's ad-free and it's also distraction-free. So it's not like scrolling through a social media feed and pausing. It's stopping and showing up intentionally with other moms and community. I absolutely love it. And I'm super stoked that April 2021, the very first class I'm hosting over there is on Friday, April 23rd. Mark your calendars and go check it out over on Patreon. I'll be hosting a cooking class, Elevating Your Everyday Cooking, where I take a class alongside of you anytime you want to watch it. We filmed it um, with Chris Domniak, private chef, trained chef, health coach, all kinds of awesomeness. She shows us two full hours of how to elevate our everyday cooking. And I'll be honest with you, ever since we filmed that class, I'm different in the kitchen. I hold my knife differently the proper way and just learn so many techniques that I can apply to create ease and confidence in the kitchen. I love it and I'm super stoked to share it with you. There is tons more information over on patreon.com forward slash elevating motherhood. Go check it out. It's a great distraction free space to connect with other moms and with me. That's patreon.com forward slash elevating motherhood. Okay, I'll be quick, but there's a fun detail about today's episode. This is episode 102. And yet this 
episode today with Lisa Giesick is literally the very first episode of Elevating Motherhood I ever recorded. So why did I wait 102 episodes to release it? It's because when I interviewed Lisa, oh my gosh, so long ago about dogs and kids and bringing home baby with dogs and all of that, it was on my old computer and it got stuck on the old computer and I had no idea how to get it off and I was finally able to get it off and I edited it and am bringing it to you today and I am in love with this episode. I am absolutely in love with this episode. So much information jam-packed into a short amount of time. It's really super awesome. So you get to hear my brand new, <laughs> it was brand new to me back then, my brand new intro of how I introduced Lisa. And, and you can tell I'm kind of nervous and a little bit square about it, you know, but man, how about that? 102 episodes in and you get to hear the OG episode. Oh my gosh. So stoked to share it with you. So I'm going to play it all. I'm even going to play like the original me being so nervous recording the intro then <laughs> interviewing my good friend, Lisa Kusick. There's just a ton of good information here. And I know you'll get a kick out of um, this style of interviewing too, because I've definitely grown and changed a lot. And yet this is still one of my favorite episodes. So much good information, so many great resources. So be sure to check out the show notes after the show, because man, really great, free, awesome resources to help you and your family with your dog kid situation, whether that looks like you're pregnant um, and preparing for when you're going to bring baby home to your fur babies, or whether you have a newborn and you're trying to figure things out. If you have crawlers, toddlers, older kids, um, there's just so much great information about etiquette and and responsible dog ownership. And, and I know that you already are one. And so then how do we translate that? How do we bring that good intention to the table and also have techniques and tips and, and training? And, and how do we ask for help? And when do we ask for help? The whole nine yards. This is an amazing episode. I hope you enjoyed as much as I do. So without further ado, here is the original, very first ever recorded episode of Elevating Motherhood with me and Lisa Giesick. Our guest today is Lisa Giesick, a professional dog trainer from the island of Maui. Lisa lives her passion, having worked with animals and their people for over 30 years. Her goal is to foster human-animal bonds and encourage people to understand their dogs through positive reinforcement techniques and force-free training. Lisa received her CPDTKA certification as a professional dog trainer from the Certification Council for Professional Dog Trainers back in 2002. You'll find out why this type of certification is important and why you should look for it when searching for a dog trainer later on in the show. Lisa has had a dynamic career. She managed the Humane Education and Behavior Departments at the SPCA of Monterey County in California for eight years. She's taught humane education programs and given multiple presentations to students of all ages and abilities. She's participated in pet therapy programs and is a certified evaluator for the AKC Canine Good Citizen Program. To me, one of the most interesting parts of her career is her work as a humane investigations supervisor and sworn humane officer for eight years, where she investigated thousands of calls of animal abuse and neglect. Her educational background includes child development, psychology, and criminology, plus basic and advanced humane academies. 
Lisa knows her stuff. She believes most behavior problems we experience with our dogs are caused by a lack of communication because we're not speaking the same language, which is probably also the cause of most of our problems outside of dog training too. Dog training is about relationship, and she offers insight into how we can make our relationship with our pets work. Lisa currently lives on the island of Maui and shares her home with her six dogs, six cats, turtle, and husband. She's also a mom to two grown children. Lisa has run a successful dog training business here on the island for the past 12 years, offering boarding, training, canine coaching, doggy daycare, private lessons, and behavior consultations. She's here with us today to give us insight on how to ease our transition when we're bringing home our new human baby when we already have a fur baby. She's also going to give us practical tips for how to safely manage interactions between dog and baby as our children grow. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks for being here and sharing your time with us. Thank you so much for inviting me. Good to be here. I appreciate you being here. So, so many moms, I know, myself included, had fur babies before we had real babies. So my young no-kid self thought this was an awesome idea, and it was, and then I had kids. And then everything changed. So hindsight is twenty twenty, And looking back, I can tell you that I did not think about the demands of having a newborn and dogs at the same time, actually, until you brought it up in dog training. Because Chris, my husband and I actually hired Lisa to come and do a private training with us before we brought our first baby home. And it was very helpful. But even with the training, I just was not ready for my entire world to change, including my relationship with my dogs. So um, do you find this common with new parents who have dogs? Absolutely, and bringing a new baby home is overwhelming anyway, but you add in the fact that you have maybe one dog or two dogs or two cats, and it's a lot to juggle when you're having a new normal. So, Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely. So the best thing that we can do is just be prepared Um, We've got nine months to prepare for it, so we want to make sure that we have as much as we can. But like you said, there's going to be so much that you weren't expecting to be a reality because you never know how you're going to feel, how long you're going to be in the hospital, how your baby's going to be. Um, So we want to make sure that we have all the bases covered so we can be as prepared as possible. Mm -hmm. What Can you dive into some of that preparedness? What does that preparedness look like? Absolutely. So um, just like you read books um, or you go to classes on parenting before, hopefully, before you have your baby so that Mm -hmm. it can be a better transition, there's so many things that you can do um, with your dogs to prepare them for your baby coming to you and living in the home. So part of that would be making sure that your dog is trained very well before you have your baby. So making sure that you do some just basic training with your dog so that they understand basic concepts, um, understanding where they belong in the house, like do they belong on the bed or do they belong in their bed, um, on the floor, or do you allow your puppy on the couch? Um, If you all of a sudden are gonna change the rules when your baby comes home, you're gonna have a lot of chaos and frustration. Mm -hmm. So if you have a partner to help you with a lot of these transitions, um, even getting on the same page with them um, as far as what expectations are and where the dog's gonna be so there's not gonna be arguing about, well, Smarky's always come up on the couch, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, We wanna make sure that your dog doesn't feel like he's being punished um, for the new baby coming home, but rather excited because yeah, your, your dog is gonna be very excited about a new baby. And usually dogs are really adaptable and they'll be just as happy about the new member in your family as you are. 
Um, I think it's really interesting you talk about being on the same page um, and not feeling punished because I feel like that also translates into becoming new parents. I know it was that way for Chris and I. We had our ungraceful moments. And in those moments, I always find it helpful to bring in a third neutral party. And I think that's where the professional dog trainer comes in. Are you suggesting mediation? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. No, as a dog trainer, I am not only a personal coach, but sometimes I am the mediator in families because yeah. everybody in the house usually has different ideas on what should be going on. Oh, for and sure. they don't always see the same perspective for as sure. what the other partner sees. And it might not be no big deal for the dog to do this, but mm-hmm. it is to the new mom. Um, oh, who right. may not be comfortable in her own skin. She might be sore. Like touched out. Uh, just Yeah, and just kind of sensitive or mm-hmm. just emotional. And you really don't need that extra stress in your life. So having everybody on the same page as much as possible before the new changes come will definitely help the transition. Um, something interesting I learned from you is that anyone can call themselves a dog trainer. Yes, that is true. Anybody can put a little sign out on their door and say, I'm a dog trainer. And um, I've seen a lot of those people in my career. And um, usually what happens is, you know, people, they love dogs and they're like, what do I want to do with, I think that working with dogs is a dream job. So they're like, I've had dogs all my life. I've taught the Joneses dogs a few things and I'm good with tricks. So I'm a dog trainer. Mm -hmm. Um, And the problem that comes with that is that they don't have a lot of experience maybe with other breeds or other situations such as having a new baby in the house. Maybe they've never even had kids. And certainly a lot of dog trainers may or may not have kids. Um, So that's not, you know, the quality that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. But rather, do you have experience working with new parents, right? Sure. And um, even, even, you know, dog trainers that don't have children of their own can help you with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But having experience is definitely helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. I have 30 years of working with dogs, and my certification is a certified professional dog trainer, Mm -hmm. knowledge, um, knowledge assessed, so that's what yes. C-P-D-T-K-A means. Knowledge assessed, yeah. yes, exactly. And that's something that we should look for when we're looking for a dog trainer. That's a really good standard to look for because mm-hmm. in that test that you have to take, you have to have so many hours of working with dogs. It's like 300 hours of working hands-on. And then, you know, you have to have recommendations and reference letters from veterinarians or clients. Um, and then you also have to take a test that, you know, has... Uh, subjects such as ethology, how animals learn, learning theory, um, equipment, all those kind of questions on it. So it's a nice well-rounded so that I know about dog physiology a little bit um, and not just, oh yeah, when a dog wags his tail, he's happy. Mm -hmm. Because as we know, dog professionals, if your dog's wagging his tail, he may not be happy, Mm -hmm. right? You have to look at the whole body carriage. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just being able to read uh, dog body language well, that's you know, definitely a good thing to be able to do as a dog trainer. And I would hope that whoever you're going to have help you knows how to read dog body language. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the CPDTKA kind of proves that I have, you know, experience with that. And I know what I'm talking about. Gotcha. Um, So what are some other questions we should ask 
potential dog trainers? Right. Um, ask them what methods that they use. Mm-hmm. Ask them, do they guarantee success? Because anybody who guarantees success is lying because you can't guarantee behavior. You right. really can't. Um, you can try to manage, supervise, train, integrate, communicate, have safety zones, but you can't guarantee a behavior will or will not happen. Right. So that that does lie in huge part with, you know, your personal living situation. Mm-hmm. Right. How much time do you have? How big is your house? Sure. Right. Are you a single mom or mm-hmm. do you have a large family that's going to help you? Is it going to take a village? Mm-hmm. And if it does, that's awesome because then you're going to have people to go, you know, I'm really tired. I really just don't have the energy. Could you take my dog on an hour hike or you know, just take him out somewhere, anywhere, please just go for a ride around the neighborhood mm-hmm. um, because I just need this rest and I can't do this all at the same time. Sure. Communication, um, big time. Yeah. And it's, I think sometimes it's hard for new moms to find their voice in that because they're so overwhelmed and sleep deprived. But I think that's something really important to keep in mind, not just with family members and expressing your needs of like, I need help with the dog because it is such a right. back burner sort of thing for you when you're trying to figure out how to keep a small human alive. Exactly. Um, I also think communication with the dog trainer is super important too, because I have, before I discovered you, before I found you, um, to my great relief, um, I had worked with two others, um, for different dogs and they, it's like they came in trying to prove what they were doing. And Mm -hmm. I, I felt powerless. Like I couldn't ask them like, why are you doing that? It looks like my dog isn't enjoying that. Like, are you hurting my dog? You know, like with a prong collar. And I was like, I don't, I don't think that's the thing, but they're like, oh no, you have to have it. And they were very insistent. And because of their mannerisms, I felt kind of powerless. So I, I feel like it's okay for people to communicate before the dog trainer. Absolutely. So when you, when you're doing research on who you want to hire as a dog trainer, go to their website, see the testimonies, see the pictures. Do the dogs wear prong collars? shock collars, choke collars, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, What are people saying about them? You know, and you can kind of get a feel for the type of trainer they are just by certain buzzwords Mm -hmm. um, that they put on, you know, their website. And just because you don't know a whole lot about dog behavior, don't feel like, oh, well, they're the expert. They know what they're talking about. This is still your dog. Mm -hmm. And if you're not okay with them doing something to your dog, you need to speak up. Mm -hmm. And I know that's not easy, probably even for extroverted people, just like you were saying. You're like, oh, they're the expert. But that's not okay. Mm -hmm. It is not okay. And you should be able to step in and go, you know what? I think I made a mistake. Yeah. And, you know, I changed my mind Mm -hmm. because you want to protect your dog just like you would protect your child. Sure. It sounds like it's really important to bring your information about your dog and your preferences to the table as well. Absolutely. So, you know, words that have like positive reinforcement training, Mm -hmm. those are great words, but even negative trainers are using those words Mm because they know the verbiage that people are looking for. And because a lot of people don't know a lot about dog training, they're kind of like, oh, well, this looks all on the up and up. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're talking about that. But no, you know, do your research. You don't want aggression and Mm -hmm. violence in your dog training. Right. You know, because really you cannot, you cannot treat Um, dogs like that or you're going to get that in turn and Mm -hmm. you're going to have an aggressive dog sure and that's that's a crime Mm -hmm. sure I also feel like um the transition to having a new baby is so big and the the transition into motherhood we just feel like we should already know how to be a mom and we should already know how to 
breastfeed or change diapers or do any of these things. But for some of us, it's literally the first time that we are doing it. And I feel like it's that way with dog stuff too. Absolutely. Like, well, I grew up with dogs, so then yeah. therefore I should just automatically know about dogs. But I oftentimes I just don't feel like that's the case. And not all dogs are the same. Even right. within the same breed, they're so diametrically different. Mm-hmm. Um, every personality is different. So depending on the dog that you have, sometimes it might be a little bit more challenging if you have a very sensitive dog, but it still can be positive and it still can work. And it's really easy. It's just ask for help. Don't give up on your dog. Mm-hmm. Get help. Ask for help. Yeah. yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And I would highly recommend people investing the time and the money to bring in that educated person yes. so that you don't end up spending all your time researching something that you feel like you should already know. Right. Because it's a waste of time, energy, and money, exactly. in my opinion. When someone else can do it much faster and quickly and it's more time efficient because, you know, we don't have time to read books on every single, single topic that we need help in in life, right? Right, So right. it's easier just to get someone who has had the years and is a master of doing it and understand. Because they can come in and look at your situation and go, well, you know, if this were my dog mm-hmm. and if this were my house, this is what I would do. Now you mm-hmm. certainly don't have to take that advice. But now you know for someone who has that experience and has been there before. And being that I've been a mom before, I've lived it before. And I mm-hmm. understand you know, the different changes that might need to be involved. Um, when I had my son, I had three dogs and a foster puppy. Um, so when I had him, and I was very young at the time, um, you know, there was a little bit of a learning learning curve, but it was very easy. My dogs, all big dogs, um, boxer-type, bruiser-looking dogs, mm-hmm. pit bulls. So, yes, they're great with kids, um, but you have to be able to supervise at all times. And using management tools like crates and gates for dogs until we can kind of ease through the process of transition Mm -hmm. Um, and then having your partner help you having your dog on leash Um, so many different tips that we can tell you to kind of make it more successful much better than banishing your dog because if you banish your dog he never knows how to act around your children and as your children grow it doesn't get easier if they don't know Mm -hmm. right you have to be desensitized to your child from day one And there's great ways to do that. Sure, with boundaries and management and individualized tips. So I think that's really what it comes down to is that we could talk all day long and cover all the topics and all the bases and offer all the tips. But really, every single family is unique. Every dog is unique. Every individual dog's personality is unique. Um, You know, your mental state and health and physical health at any given time. And there's just so many moving parts and unknown factors that I'm a huge proponent of bringing an outside professional who has been certified that you have asked questions of to talk with us about management and boundaries, like healthy boundaries. Um, One thing we did learn from you was about gates and crates. And I know a lot of people are hesitant because they feel like they are banishing their dog um, by using those two things. So could you talk a little bit more about crates and gates and maybe bust through some myths yes, about those. Absolutely. So um, we refer to those as tools, mm-hmm. right? What's in your toolbox, right? So I have crates and gates in my toolbox. 
Does that mean that you always use crates and gates? No, absolutely not. But in the beginning, yes, absolutely yes. Mm -hmm. And you're going to need to revisit that when your baby is now crawling all over the floor. Mm -hmm. So everybody needs boundaries and it's for safety issues and safety issues are so important. Um, always supervise babies and dogs at all times. I don't care who your dog is. You mm -hmm. could have like Rin Tin Tin who saved Timmy from the well. I don't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're watching them because mm -hmm. we don't know what happens and it only takes a split second. And as a parent and as a dog trainer, I see thousands of situations all the time, mm -hmm. you know, where I'm going like, oh, I'm cringing. Even pictures on social media. I, same. Oh, make same. me cringe. And I'm like, no, no. Because you know who pays? Mm -hmm. The dog pays. The dog right. pays with his life. Mm -hmm. um, and so much of that can be avoided. Like 100% can be avoided mm -hmm. if you just use tools like crates and gates. So I don't recommend that you just start implementing crates and gates when you come home from the hospital. Mm -hmm. No, you want to start integrating that when you find out you're pregnant, whether you're sure. two months pregnant or five months pregnant, start then, right. right? So that you give your dog a little quiet time in the crate. And I'll tell you right now, as someone who's crate trained many, 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 many dogs. Including the, mine. <laughs> yeah. The first two days are heck. You know, yeah. they're like, oh, man, he hates it. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, he does hate it because he's never had to be in there and he doesn't understand that it's temporary. Mm -hmm. There's this quiet nap time. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like kindergartners, right? Or any small children, you tell them to take a nap. And some are like, okay. And others are like, heck no, make mm -hmm. me, right? And they're peeking out the corner of the of the bedroom every two seconds. And you're like, right. I'm going to pull my hair out. Dogs are the same way, yeah, right? Individual personalities, individual big personalities. time. Individual personalities. Big so, time. Um, but I, I would say most dogs, can easily be crate trained you know mm -hmm. within a few days to get over the hump the hard spots and then it, you can slowly integrate it and then your dog will thank you because he'd be like oh uh, sure because they my need... private spot yeah nobody bothers me when i'm in here i love it yeah they need breaks just like yes, all of us need breaks exactly um it's kind of like when you're setting up the baby's nursery and you're creating this safe space for yes. the baby to retreat to or rest in or nap in you know a crate sort of is like the dog's nursery where they have their own space to just be and relax and rest when they need it because i think there's this unrealistic expectation that the family including the dogs have to be together at all times and right. just naturally be able to be together at all times as if there are no outside factors influencing all this yeah. um gosh you know one thing I just thought of is a big trigger for me when I had my babies was when the dogs would bark and wake up the baby after I had spent so much time putting the baby to sleep yes. um and in my sleep deprivation it would drive me batty so do you have any tips for oh absolutely for that Definitely. to avoid that <laughs> oh you know so obviously if you have a lot of resources and you have a lot of friends that can kind of help do things that it'll be easier for you. But I'm going to give you stuff that you can do even if you have no support system mm -hmm. and you're just like, I'm going to make this work because I love my dog and I love my baby and I'm not getting rid of either of them. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you don't have a whole lot of resources, then before the baby's born, you want to make sure that you figure out what your dog really likes. So whether it's like a, a chew that they really like, like a, 
a safe bone because there's safe bones and not safe bones. We mm -hmm. could talk an hour on that. We're not going to. Mm -hmm. um, but if you had good chews for your dog or a Kong toy, K-O-N-G, like King Kong, mm -hmm. you can stuff those with their own food or chicken or liver or a little bit of peanut butter. You can freeze those and they become Kong sickles. So busy toys, mm -hmm. occupational therapy for dogs. You want to make sure that they have lots of stuff to occupy them so that you take zero time. You just grab out of the freezer and you're like, have right, at it. Right, right. The zero time thing. That's, zero time that's thing. gold. It's all about preparation, right? Yeah. So if you have all that. And it is easier if you have someone that you can go, can you go grab my Kong, please? Yeah. Please? Yeah. So that I know my baby's going to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that I always say in dog training is a tired dog is a well-behaved dog. Yes. Right? And that is true. A tired so dog is a well-behaved dog. A tired dog is a well-behaved dog. So mm -hmm. that does not mean somebody maniacally throwing the ball thousands of times in the yard for the dog. No. That makes your dog OCD. <laughs> Horrible idea. But mental exercises, you know, can you do some puppy push-ups, which would be like a sit to a down, and we're going to have fun. We're going to have some dog games that we do. I'm not suggesting new mothers do this, but I am suggesting the friends that like dogs that come over and spend 20 minutes with your dog mm -hmm. playing some of those games and then maybe throwing the ball a few times, mm -hmm. but not thousands of times so that your dog has 10 minutes of let's play these, these games where I call it a clock game where you walk around to different parts of your house or your yard and you do sits and downs and find it's and things like mm -hmm. that that your dog really loves and we're using food and, you know, food rewards so no matter who's working with the dog the dog loves that person because they're getting really tasty liver or chicken um, and then after 10 minutes of mentally stimulating your dog then they can take them for like a 10 minute walk you know a little sniffari mm -hmm. around <laughs> sniffari. A sniffari up and down the street <laughs> right and then your dog's going to be like yeah i would bark at that other dog or that person but i'm too tired so i'm gonna take a nap because a tired dog is a well-behaved dog. A tired dog is a well-behaved dog. So more gold. So knowing that kind of stuff and knowing the management, mm -hmm. and trying to get people to you know do that or your your partner to do that to help you out in that aspect. Because mm -hmm. you're the one feeding the baby. You're the one cleaning up after the baby. That's that's your job. That's your first priority. Mm -hmm. So everybody else needs to step in and kind of help you through this transition time. Sure. And so you're like, okay, and then somebody can kind of bring the dog in on leash and while you're nursing the baby they can be like oh look at that it's your it's your new it's your new brother mm -hmm. look at that isn't mm -hmm. that exciting you know mm -hmm. your dog's just like i'm not sure what you're saying but you're really i like the mm -hmm. tone of voice you know and i'm getting really nice snacks and mm -hmm. short yeah. positive short positive five minutes yeah. here and there and then it'll get easier and easier but mm -hmm. don't feel like you have to be successful in the first 24 or 48 you know oh for no, sure no for sure yeah okay so let's talk a little bit about situations not going well yes. with that so let's say mom comes home from the hospital she's had to have surgery there's trauma um, things just aren't going well mentally physically emotionally any of this if um, and you're just so desperate in those moments um, that you're thinking about rehoming the dog or you're thinking about like something needs to give yeah. or else is it harmful to a dog to send them away to be boarded during that time 
Okay, so many loaded question on that. Yeah, so, I'm just. Yeah. I guess what I'm. I, I'll be specific. What I'm really looking for is um, if someone. Yeah, mm-hmm. and will that cause problems when the dog comes back? Sort of. Thing? Usually not. Um, okay. Depends on where you send your dog off too, because mm-hmm. there's certainly good places and there's certainly not so good places. Sure. Um, so if you have a trusted friend who loves your dog and your dog has stayed with them when you've been out of town, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely, that would be fantastic if your dog could go hang out with them for the first couple weeks Mm -hmm. so that you could kind of get into your groove but I will warn you that the longer you put off bringing your dog back home the Mm -hmm. harder it is for that integration not that you should give up on that but the integration needs to be hey you know look who's here it wasn't you know the baby moves in and the dog moves out it's you know I just need a few days and just to catch my breath and Mm -hmm. that's totally okay Mm -hmm. but as soon as you can bring your dog back and start teaching them how to behave Mm -hmm. the easier it's going to be for you and the easier it's going to be for your dog Mm -hmm. and then that way if your dog is barking at inappropriate times you could teach your dog shush quiet right and then give them the kong out of the freezer or their chew or put them in a different part of the house where it's a little bit more muffled Mm -hmm. and you're playing Brahms baby lullabies (laughs) and Chopin and very quiet things so we all take naps um dogs are crepuscular so they're dawn and dusk so the two active times for dogs are between six and nine in the morning and about four and seven in the evening in the summer five to eight right so knowing that the dogs are going to be rowdy during those times sure don't expect like that's when your baby needs to take a nap right Mm -hmm. like everything's going to align line up when biologically nothing ever lines up right right we need to to just go okay this is going to happen this is going to happen and i know that my dog's really hyper between the hours of four and eight in the evening Mm -hmm. you know we're going to do everything in our power to maybe feed the baby during that time or do other things so that i can make allowance for that sure making you know, educated schedule exactly. choices, if you will. So exactly. if you're trying to set up a schedule and that's something that's important to you, just yes. keeping that in mind when yeah. it comes to your dog. I think that's really that's really good. Um, so let's say the transition isn't going well in general. Um, maybe parents didn't have time to prepare like we had hoped, and now baby's here. We thought we knew this. We thought it was just going to go all hunky-dory, and it's not. What do we do when we get to that point? Oh, that makes me very, very sad. And I see stories on social media all the time. And I'm always like, oh, don't give up. Get help. It's so easy for me to help you. And it'll only take a little bit of your time, Mm -hmm. a little bit of your effort, and a little twerking of your schedule to make this a better situation. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things that could go wrong. But yes, something bad happens. The... You know, and I find usually these situations happen when you start getting crawling, right? When the oh. baby's scooting around on the floor and someone didn't put the dog out and the dog is warning the child through growling like, hey, keep your distance. Last time you crawled all over me, it really hurt because you grabbed a hold of my ear and you grabbed a hold of my tail. And, you know, children are, are learning impulse control too. They mm-hmm. have no idea what it feels like on the other end. They're just groping because they're learning, mm-hmm. right? Same thing with dogs. Dogs don't have very good impulse control either, but we can train them. And I would say 90% of the dogs that I know have excellent bite inhibition Mm -hmm. and wonderful self-control and nobody ever listens and so the dog is like i've warned you 50 times sure nobody ever poor me 
right? Mm -hmm. And then, so finally the dog just like snaps. Sure. And he, and he literally snaps, not mm -hmm. snaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. has a, you know, psychotic <laughs> breakdown. But, gotcha. but I don't know, maybe he does. I don't know. <laughs> but um, then it's suddenly like, oh, you know, like, I don't know, maybe this is a danger. Yes, it is a danger if you don't do something about it. Mm -hmm. But as a parent, your first reaction should be, I need to protect my child mm -hmm. and my dog. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to use those safety zones of sure. using great uh, crates, crates and grates. Grates. I can't even talk now. Gates, gates and, and crates. Yeah, got yes. it. It is so, a tongue twister. Yeah, so safety zone. And then when my my babies are learning to interact with my dog, it's going to be supervised. Yes. And I'm going to be doing it in a way that my dog finds it pleasant and wonderful. So even when my baby starts screaming at the top of their lungs, my dog's which not going to... Which they gonna, will. Yeah, which they will, <laughs> when they will. Um, my dog's not going to hit the deck and go, what is this? right sure so I hear a lot of parents also ask me like well my dog he's like you know eight years old and you know he's never been around babies well yeah that's a little bit harder but it's nowhere near impossible mm -hmm. you just give your old senior dog who has arthritis some space more space that would be sure. like having your grandfather live in the house and saying mm -hmm. okay my child's gonna crawl all over you all the time mm -hmm. i'm sorry but your 80 year old grandpa would do something not very nice to your <laughs> child probably when you weren't looking so i shouldn't laugh but that's the perfect that's it, the perfect yeah, parallel that's right get so, off my lawn <laughs> yeah you had so many gems in there that I want to pull out. First, it sounds like if things aren't going well, um, it's not too late to pull in a trainer and gather the information you need. Always and, find out first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't give up. Right. Uh, pull from their yes. um, bank of knowledge, their certified training knowledge. Make sure it's a good good trainer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, learn management skills. Yes. Like. Uh, no, I can't even say it. Crates and gates. Yeah. But then also um, learn the dog's cues. So what are some yes. cues that dogs give us that they're not enjoying what's happening? Exactly. So we'll talk about displacement behaviors in mm -hmm. dogs and avoidance behavior. Um, so a lot of times when dogs are not comfortable, um, they will not look at the situation. They will look away. Mm -hmm. They will yawn. Yawning is a displacement behavior. Your dog is not tired. He just doesn't know how to deal. So he's a little bit stressed out. He's having a bit of anxiety. So he's yawning. He's licking his lips. His tail's tucked. His ears are down. He's not his face is not a happy face where, you know, it looks like dogs are smiling, but he mm -hmm. looks kind of shut down. Mm -hmm. So that would be your cue to go, you know, Sparky's not having fun right now. We're going to put Sparky in the bedroom or maybe out on the lanai or somewhere where he can have some quiet time, listen to the birds, right? Mm -hmm. um, so just like with people, you know, look at the dog's tolerance. He shouldn't have to like, oh, I'm going to get used to it in 48 hours, right? right? right. It's going to be like a slow introduction mm -hmm. and it's going to be managed. And you know what? Your dog's a fantastic sport and you'd be so good at this but that should be your um, barometer and your warning to go okay let's let's do this mm -hmm. those yeah. are really interesting um, I learned a lot of those displacement behaviors from training sessions with you um, the one that surprised me the most was yawning um, I see dogs do this all the time when kids at the park or whatever come up to them and they're they're turning their face away, they're giving a big old yawn, and then people comment on it as if it's like a human behavior of like, mm. oh, they're so tired. And I'm like, ooh, mm -hmm. actually, I happen to know that that's a warning sign that the dog is experiencing a little too much right now. Yeah. Almost like nail biting for dog exactly. dogs, you yeah. know? Yeah. So um, 
I think it's really important for listeners to hear that and to know those cues and to look those up or right. rewind this podcast or um, find resources for those so you can understand dog behavior more. Right. You know, in part of the intro, I had said, you know, we speak different languages. And I think that that is one of the biggest key components that I have used over and over again, having kids and dogs in the same house mm-hmm. um, was looking for their displacement behavior. So I think that's a really awesome tip. Um, it also sounds like maybe we need to revisit, um, our management strategies as baby grows and gets mobile, like starts crawling, turns into a screaming toddler and then turns into a, especially like four and five year olds when they get clumsy or, you know, just very rambunctious that we need to revisit that often. Often. Yep. Mm -hmm. The new normal, right? So you have to go, okay, this is a new stage for my child and you might even not recognize it right away yourself. And then you're like, whoa, when did that start happening, right? Mm -hmm. So just as that behavior changes all the time with our children, um, same with dogs. Dogs are uh, puppies until they're about 18 weeks of age. And then they're adolescents till they're two years old, um, sometimes more. Yeah, mine were definitely more. (laughs) And then um, three um, until they're four, you know, they're, they're young adults. So they're doing it mostly good but every now and then they still have a bad moment make some poor choices um, yeah so just like dogs have different stages your baby has different stages and being yeah. able to coordinate both of those um it's it's really difficult at first it might right. seem but it is really easy to pick up on and go oh okay i recognize that's happening mm-hmm. so obviously for people who are type a and are really management prone it makes it a lot easier because you're you're ready and you're expecting and you've got your lists and you know your ways you want to go ahead and handle things but even if you're not even if you're like a type b or e or whatever it is you know there's still different ways and different management patterns that you can do to live harmoniously with your new situation but don't be like oh i thought we had this because things change all the time oh a hundred percent that is that is motherhood right right there flexibility is really important and honestly we're doing the best we can with the information we have when the new norm presents itself, that's kind of our cue as moms that we need to gather more information. We need to learn more about this developmental stage in the baby. We also need to learn a little bit more about this developmental stage in the dog as well. And like you said, difficult at first because it's relearning things. And I think once you get to a certain age, I have no idea what that age is. It just feels like you should already know. Um, I think (laughs) that the more that you know, the more that you realize you don't know. Right. (laughs) So I think that's just the paradox of... Of learning, right? Right, so. I agree. Um, can I ask you your viewpoint on something? Absolutely. That's kind of a pet peeve for yes. me, uh, pun intended. <laughs> and that is when people feel like they want to bring their dogs to the park or like the playground specifically, not just dog parks or right. open areas, but the playground where kids play um, or mom's group even. Um, especially when there's babies on blankets or toddlers with snacks. Um, I manage a couple of moms groups and organize them. And I had set a rule of saying like, no dogs, like, please leave your dogs at home. I love dogs. I like dogs. I just have so many worries when I'm out in public already with my kids, um, about them getting hurt or whatnot. And I just don't want to have to worry about them taking snacks out of my baby's mouth or things like that. And one time there was a scenario where someone had brought their dog that they promised was a super well-behaved dog off leash. Um, you know, they'll listen, don't worry it's not a problem and what they didn't realize is there was another mom there who was super triggered by dogs 
And that dog walked up to her baby and licked the snack right out of her mouth. And she was super upset, but she felt like she couldn't say anything in the moment. And I didn't know that until that information was shared with me later. And then when I was like, hey, we have this rule for a reason, I quickly discovered that people are super defensive of their dogs. And when I ask them, like, why they bring them, just to try to learn, they'll be like, well, I'm trying to, you know, two birds, one stone kind of thing. I want everyone in our family to get our beans out. But I was just wondering it, how you felt about my my view on this because I feel like they need to be separate they need to be a separate thing but I'm finding that my, my view I don't know whether it's the norm or not uh, there's a time and a place for everything and just like mom always said when in doubt don't and you have to be respectful of other people and I think because I've worked around a lot of different people and different cultures um, there's a lot of people that are not comfortable around dogs so you're not only taking your dog and putting him in a situation that will not work out well for your own dog. So you mm-hmm. want to protect your own dog as well. Um, but it's it's not fair to the other families there. You don't know them. And it's certainly not an event that's appropriate for the dog to be at. Just because you've got children on the ground with food. I mm-hmm. mean, come on, food with dogs on the floor. I mean, no competition. Dog's right. going to win, right? He's right. going to grab that. Right. Um, and it is the dog that always pays, right? If that dog accidentally bites somebody's finger because mm-hmm. he didn't mean it, he was just grabbing the hot dog and sure. he didn't see, it's still the dog that gets in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. I did animal control for many years, and there's so many things that um, you can be liable for with your dog. Like if a burglar breaks into your house and your dog bites that burglar, guess what? That burglar can sue you for it. Wild. It's ridiculous and wild, but yet those laws still exist. So I'm really defensive and protective over my own dog and his mm-hmm. safety as well, right? And I want everybody to be happy and I want everybody to have a good experience. So it's really good etiquette not to bring your dog to something where he's going to be stressed out anyway. Um, and I also hear parents say a lot to me, oh, my dog loves children. Oh, all the time. I hear that oh, all the time. loves children. Yeah. I'm sorry. I love children. Do I love every child? No. Same with dogs. Right? Wow. Same with dogs. Great point. That's Same with dogs. Really great and point. you know what? Maybe your dog has only been around well-behaved children. But what happens mm. when you take them over to Giggle Hill Playground and they run into children that are not good with dogs and they go up and pull your dog's tail. Sure. Is that fair to your dog? No. Mm-hmm. And then when your dog bites that child, guess it gets in trouble. Mm-hmm. Your dog. So it's really not a good situation all the way around because not every child is the same. Not every dog is the same. There are no black and white. It is not socialization for everybody. And mm-hmm. even if you are a type A person and you are on it, it's still too much. It's not appropriate. It's a lot. If you like, you know, hey, I'm going to pick my dogs to church with me. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think your dogs are going to enjoy the movie that you're going to or whatever? I see people bring their dogs in the movie theater and I'm just like, oh, not nice. Yeah. It's... Dogs have better hearing. They have better smell. So when you bring a dog to a children's group and you've got like, you know, three poopy pants going on. Oh, gosh. That's like stimulation overload for that poor dog. And he's like, I don't know what to do by myself. <laughs> right? So, um, it's totally true. Thank yeah. you for your insight on that etiquette. I think yeah. that's the word that I was looking for is etiquette. And etiquette. There's this, there's not any written etiquette for what mm. it is, but I think some common sense and understanding yes. um, dog behavior, normal 
dog behavior, yeah. normal t- kid behavior, baby behavior, toddler behavior. And, and then, ask, ask people. Yeah, that's true. And respect their wishes. That's right? true. So. Um, because I run into this scenario all the time, I actually mm-hmm. have a couple of guidelines for my girls that um, with pets in general, I just say never the tail. Mm-hmm. Like when we're playing with kids, I always say never the neck. Yeah. With a kid or with dogs, I say never the tail. And mm-hmm. so that's just my blanket rule for all animals. Yeah. And then I also say, I don't, I, I'll say out loud to people, they'll, their dog will be off leash, walk up to my kids. I'll say, oh, no dogs and kids. Um, and they're like, oh, they're nice. And I say, you know, I just have a rule for my family and my kids know yeah. it's, and it's hard and fast. Do not approach other dogs. And if they approach you, you come back to mommy. Um, because I'm looking out for my kids and I also care about that other mm-hmm. dog. And I don't know whether one of my kids has a poopy diaper or whether they have snacks in their hand that I don't know of. And it's, right. a, it's a situation. Mm-hmm. And we don't have control over everything. But the best thing mm-hmm. I can do is say no tails and no kids and dogs. And I exactly. put my hand between or, you know, and I always make sure to say something and I usually still get met but but they're awesome they're nice they're yeah. wonderful and I was like my kids are awesome and nice and wonderful too mm-hmm. but, um, but we have to be real nice and wonderful and uh-huh. awesome boundaries, and boundaries management yes. preparedness all of these lovely yeah. things you were talking about for years I taught um, dog safety with kids in all different ages all the way from you know preschool to and we would teach kids to like be like a tree when a strange dog approach meaning that you stand still you close mm. your eyes if you're afraid of dogs, or you look up at the sky. You don't flail, flail around because mm-hmm. dogs get afraid at that. Um, when you pet dogs, you don't grab over the head. You go from the collar down to the mid-back in the same direction as the hair. And that is mm-hmm. the only appropriate place to pet a dog that is not yours. Great. That is actually, again, more gold. Yes. I love it. Um, is it appropriate to, and another hard and fast rule we have is that, um, I always separate my dog when kids are over. Always. Always. They don't, if I host play dates, parties, any of this stuff, they're away. And I follow it so strictly that, um, to the point that I've had friends for years and they're like, you have a dog? And I'm like, yeah, but you've only ever come over for parties or when friends are over, that's the time for the dog to be put away. And that's worked really well. Um, let's say we go over to a friend's house and they have animals. Is it appropriate for me to say, ask if they can put their dog away? Yes. And if you do, you will probably be met with a little bit of, uh, no, he lives here and this is what he does. But that would be your prerogative to say, okay, well, you know, we're going to stay over here on this, on the couch and then we're going to stay a very short time and then we're going to leave because I'm just not comfortable in this situation because it's too much work for you to have to micromanage your children. Nobody's having a good time. And yes, it's the dog's house. He should be able to do what he wants Mm -hmm. to do. But it's not safe for him either. It's not safe for anybody. Mm -hmm. So that's a a really respectful perspective Mm -hmm. because that would be, and even if I would manage my house differently, that would be really easy for me to respect and just be like, well, it's my home, my rules, whatever. And I can say, you know, and without judgment of the other mom, honestly, just say, okay, thank you. Thanks for taking that well. (laughs) And, um, you know, just knowing that I know that my kids, you know, we want to stay away from dogs. And maybe that particular friend we'd meet at the park or something like that, or they could come over to our house or whatnot. Yeah, but uh, yeah, exactly. You have to be able to control your space. Yeah. And if it's going to be uncontrollable, then you just don't do it. Right. And that's exactly what I tell people when they're taking a dog out into the public, right? Mm -hmm. Don't go to places where you're not sure what's going to happen because that's way too many variables Uh that your dog is not prepared for and you're going to fail and it's going to be embarrassing and you're going to look silly and you're going to feel like oh that was horrible it was horrible Mm -hmm. for everybody right so you're setting yourself up 
to fail. Mm -hmm. um, so, but yes, people are very defensive over their dogs. You know, you've got the two camps, you know, people without kids, they really are like, well, my dog is my kid. Yeah. And oh, for um, sure. he has free run and he's allowed to sit on the couch and he's allowed to do this. So they may not be understanding and they might think that you're not respecting their living space as well. So sure. it's kind of good to see, well, okay, what can I do? So yeah, neutral mm -hmm. space or my place so that I can control what's going on. But you talk about people being defensive about dogs. Um, living on Maui, I see people with dogs in the car on the hottest of days dogs are dying of heat and I will wait and uh you know call authorities if I need to um or I'll go in stores and hunt people down it is not a fun thing everybody mm -hmm. gets in your face they yell obscenities at you they tell you, you don't know what you're talking about really I've worked with dogs for 30 years I think I know <laughs> but on the other hand you know that's I mean if you want to be combative tell anybody not to put their dog in a hot car on any given day and they will chew you out up and down for sure there's and, a whole uh, spectrum of defensiveness and it's so yes. I mean, people can get defensive of anything exactly. that they want to really i mean i could right. get defensive of like well my kids you know but yeah. uh, uh, uh. so you do the best you can mm -hmm. while you're trying to protect your own dog you're trying to protect your kids and always always go with what you feel is right don't listen to anybody else if someone says it's okay, but in your heart of hearts, you're like, mm, I'm not comfortable with this. Right. Then you shouldn't do it. You should get out of there and say, thank you so much, but you know, I really got to go. Intuition. Intuition. Mm -hmm. Listen to it. Mm -hmm. Because when you don't, that's when things go wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's always the dog that pays or your child pays because their face has a scar on it now. Mm -hmm. um, and we want to be able to avoid that. And I would say most dog bites are avoidable. Mm -hmm. So... Um, what are, let's recap as we close here. Yeah. Um, what other things? In, listen to your intuition, management. What are some other takeaways? Get help, you know. Mm -hmm. um, call, you know, a professional like me um, to be able to help um, or read good books. If you're not sure what good books are, find out what good books are. Mm -hmm. You know, look around before you buy things just because it's popular or it's on TV does not mean it's sage advice, right? Um, this is great parenting advice, not just dog yes, training advice. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, I'll tell you something really funny yeah. is um, when I had my children, I had just started um, dog training positive reinforcement. I never used to want to be a dog trainer because in the 80s, the dog trainers I saw were all jerk and pull. And I'm like, oh, I love dogs too much. I could never do that. And then when I saw Ian Dunbar, and he was the godfather of positive reinforcement, I thought, I can do that. I mm -hmm. love that. And I raised my children with the same principles that I feel that I raise dogs with, that bond-based training, that, you know, a relationship that's built on trust and not one that's built on fear. Sure. Right? And all those same principles I use with my kids that I use with dogs <laughs> to this day. And you know what? My kids are grown now. And I love my kids to death. We talk all the time. We have a great relationship. Um, so I really feel it's the, it's the right way to go. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> and I think there's no shame in like double <laughs> yeah. use and all the tips. I, I do love Ian Dunbar's work. Um, he is a gem. Is it Dog Star Daily? Is yes, that what he Dog has? Star Daily. Tons mm -hmm. of free resources on that website. All free. Tons of articles. So many good, um, you know, different resources. Uh, family Paws, 
Parent Education, uh, Dog and Stork, that's Jennifer Schrock's business. She actually has handouts that are catered for moms and children from every stage from newborn all the way up until elementary, till teenagers. So excellent, excellent resource. She actually even has a 24-hour hotline. Oh, wow. Um, so if you need like help right away and you're freaking out, um, you could find out from there. And mm -hmm. um, so there's so many good resources. If you want to understand more dog body language, um, The Other End of the Leash by Patricia McConnell. Oh, is a she's book awesome. I think everyone should read, even if they don't have a dog. It's, it's awesome. You so know? insightful. So insightful. So many gems that will help you and help you teach your kids to keep them safe around dogs because even if you don't have dogs in your own home i guarantee you their friends are going to have dogs sure and you know what the parents may not know how to tell you oh when the they just assume their dog will be fine with the kid mm -hmm. right so no you can never assume that other people are going to do it for you you have to do it yourself mm -hmm. lisa yeah. this has been so fantastic yeah. we are going to put links to a lot of these resources you mentioned in the show notes but right now, right away, if people want to find you or reach out to you, how can they get in touch with you? Ohanapet.com. That mm -hmm. is my website. So that's O-H-A-N-A-P-E-T, ohanapet.com. And then I'm also on Facebook, uh, Ohana Pet Training, or my name, Lisa Gisick. Um, I'm also on Instagram, but you'll mostly see pictures of my cute kitty cats right now. So. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate pleasure. it. That's it for this episode of Elevating Motherhood. Thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found some insight and inspiration, or maybe a little of both. If you liked today's show, please leave a review on iTunes. I use your feedback to plan future shows and cover topics that serve you. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Links to those accounts are in the show notes. For more information, including today's show notes, head to elevatingmotherhood.com. That's elevatingmotherhood.com. Thanks again, Mama. I appreciate you.